And welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show with myself, Roy Shanahan, Neil Dobbs and David Bugle. Of course, you can listen to us on the Big Kickoff Football Podcast. It's on every major podcast provider and you'll see a few of the clips on the YouTube show. So do go and search us out. Now, Neil, we had a big weekend of FA Cup action. It's a semi-final of the FA Cup and you can't get much bigger than a Liverpool and a Manchester City game. Did it disappoint? Did it not disappoint? Definitely didn't disappoint for Liverpool fans. Yeah, I, I think for Liverpool, Roy, from last week, I think there was maybe a little bit of reality crept in when probably the two best, the best of City and the best of Liverpool met. And maybe I think City came away with it on reflection, a lot happier and maybe thinking that they could have killed them on the day. Um, so I think for Liverpool, it was a kind of a sobering week and maybe a week of reflection. Whereas the difference was incredible now because obviously they were able to rest players during the week because the Benfica mission made life a little bit easier. Um, but the way that Klopp kind of prepped them and sent them out, he was able to send out a very, very strong 11, arguably the, the strongest 11 that he has at his disposal. Um, but the way Liverpool went after Man City, uh, missing De Bruyne, obviously Walker and uh, Laporte, but the way Liverpool went after them, the attitude, the endeavour, the way they chased them down in their own tour, it was a different mental, I think, side from Liverpool, the way they they just smelled a little bit of blood, a little bit of weakness. Um, and yeah, it was a cracking game, cracking. The first half was fantastic. Probably the best I've seen Liverpool play against the top side this season, I think. And you could see the belief and the aggression and uh, there was just something really, really good about the first 45 minutes. And the, the, the game was kind of over after 45. They'd done enough at that stage. But um, yeah, it, it, it's amazing the difference a week can have. And it's also amazing when you look at the two squads, maybe three months ago before Luis Diaz came in. And, you know, you would have been saying, well, City still have the stronger squad. And now all of a sudden, with one or two injuries and guys left out or resting, all of a sudden Liverpool looked to be in a really, really comfortable position, resting players on 60 minutes. And the strength that they can bring off the bench now um, is, is is remarkable. Uh, I don't think I've seen a stronger Liverpool side um, in 20 years, let alone uh, before that. So, yeah, positive, very positive from Liverpool perspective. No, no uh, we'll come back to that now in a second, actually. Remind me to come back on the, on the very strong squad that they have. Dave, it was a great start for Liverpool, as Neil said, up to half-time. But for Manchester City, the changes were probably inevitable and the squad... When you look at the goalkeeper, you need to be playing more games to, you know, to be up to your to, up to speed, I suppose. And he certainly wasn't. No, absolutely. And uh, unfortunately, he it's two for two in semi-finals because he fluffed his lines position-wise against Chelsea as well, which was well documented as soon as the second goal went in. Um, goalkeepers being changed is always a bit of a funny one. I understand getting um, the second keeper up game time, and I completely get it. But at the same time you know body wise and you're not really saving Ederson so it's a bit of a weird one that that, that the goalkeepers get um rotated in this sense compared to the outfielders so look they reap what they sow but it, to be honest it was the, it was the remaining 10 players like missing De Bruyne and Walker and a few of the others it went without saying because you know because the big difference between uh, last week and, and Saturday's game midfield there was no contest between Fernandinho and Bernardo Silva it was it was a it was a the first half it was all Liverpool, even Keita was dominating as well. He was bang up for it as well as the other guys. Thiago was able to ping around the place. They had the, the midfield all to themselves and that was the biggest difference regardless of Stefan. Um, and they had the domination of that and the pressing was on a different level compared to the week before. They they smelled blood and they went for it. And of course, to get the two goals the way you do in that first 20 minutes, 
it kind of hammers home what you're doing, puts them in their place. And at one point, if 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 City hadn't scored as early as they did in that second half, I'd say it would have been a very boring second half. It was getting to that feeling. Once the third one went in, it was that feeling that this game's going to be played out now and City have bigger and better things to be doing. And only for they got the goal that early, I don't think they would have put up a much as much of a fight. Even though it wasn't a massive fight, I don't think they would have put much of a fight up in that second half. Did the week, Dave, do you think it took its toll, the Atletico game? Um, well, purely uh, war of attrition-wise with bodies, yeah, 100%. Uh, the rest of the team on it, not really, because Grealish didn't play the full 90 minutes in every single game and was fairly anonymous. The only one who impressed me in the front line was Jesus. He looked dangerous and lively. Um, Foden was kept quite quiet. Sterling huffed and puffed, so maybe, but... Yeah, there was just too many changes. Like as as much as City and Liverpool and everyone goes on about squads, you know the elevens are still the elevens. They're very very strong. And same with City. And once you take out two, maybe three of them players, City become very not ordinary, but they become as good as the rest. They just slip into the pack, um, just like anyone else. Just the same as Liverpool, as good as a squad as Liverpool have. If if it's the if it's a said one or two players all of a sudden you're back in the pack. And I think that was the ultimate reason. You know, you look at it, it's Cancelo, Stones, Atkins, Zinchenko. That's not a great back four. Dress it up all you want. It's not a great back four. Cancelo's playing right back or left back the whole season. Zinchenko, I'm not as big a fan, I'll be brutally honest with you. Um, And obviously the goalkeeper just, yeah, Bazunu must be licking his lips if he wants to try and go up the hierarchy there with City. And then Aki and Stones. Stones has been a good player so far, but Aki is very much a squad player, a bit like Stefan bit cold and can be got at. And uh, then Fernandinho, literally the only thing he can still do is do what he does best and does the, the little sneaky fouls, the cynical fouls, because uh, that's all he, that's all I remember him for the whole game. So um, yeah, it was, it was, it, 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 unfortunately, the 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 the, the and walkers of this world, like you, you can't replace them that easy. And, and totally little, understandable, Dave, to make them changes because I said it last week. We discussed it last week. Their priority has to be the Champions League. So make sure your players are getting through. Does it like yes? It would have been great to get to an FA Cup final, but in the long run, it probably do them better not to be in that competition. Yeah. Well, if providing they have the trophies in the locker at the end, but people might look at this game and go, that could have been the catalyst for Liverpool to really springboard onto. Do you think it's going to make that much of a difference? Maybe, of course. Like you beat Man City and you beat Man City well, more so from the first half. Why would beating Man City at any time is a good thing, regardless? And you know, finals are finals and trophies are trophies. And the the League Cup has obviously been a good springboard, and now they should be using this as well because God, like. To be honest, they should have the bit between their teeth for tomorrow night, and and go at it and 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 make a point because they're there for the take. And Randy said himself off the ball, like he didn't say word for word, but they're in trouble if they don't uh, improve off the ball. And it's certainly against a team like Liverpool. So if they win that, and then after beating City, of course it's a fantastic springboard coming into the the, the last few games of the season. What but it's, you- it's it's just a little one-upmanship, really. It's not going to be the biggest. Um, uh, act of the season but it's 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 a it's a nice one-upmanship to get one over on your rival simple as that i think it's fair to say lads when you look at your if you look at the week that's gone by for city to come through away from atletico was a massive mental push to go away and deal with that kind of carry-on that atletico bring the simeone the crowd that kind of pressure so from that point of view they came through a massive thumbs up to go away there in that pressure cooker but then 
you kind of take a bit of a body blow when you go up against your rival and you're not really in the game. And how many times have we ever said that about City? But I'd say, Roy, if De Bruyne didn't come off injured, he, he had a very easy going first half of the season where Pep had him in and out of the side. So I think he was keeping De Bruyne for this stage of the season and he would play in 90 minutes, 90 minutes back to back. But there was a moment in the game where Liverpool went two up and it looked like De Bruyne was putting shin guards on and they yeah. did a little warm up. And you were thinking to yourself, will he bring Rodri on? Will he bring De Bruyne on? Will he, will he chance it? And then I don't think he made a change then. It was almost like he kind of accepted the situation they were in and kind of left the guys on the field to fend for himself. Did, he, did he accept the situation that he placed himself in? But he has Mares, he has Diaz, Laporte, Gundogan, Rodri and De Bruyne on the bench. It was more of an acceptance. It looked like that. I'll, we'll give it a go but I'm really not putting all my cards out here for this match. And I think it's 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 probably... Well, look, as Dave said, you look back at the end of the season, it might be the cleverest thing insofar as you didn't go that one step too far. I don't think the, the FA Cup and Carabao Cup entertain Pep. Like, in fairness, for years, we've always kind of patted him on the back saying, you've always put your strongest team out, be it in the Carabao Cup or be it in the FA Cup. I, and Klopp, on the other hand, would complete a completely dismissed the Cups because he knew he hadn't got the squad to go for it. So the shoe is definitely on the other foot now with these guys. And I think Pep is, is saying, right, it's league because we're in a seven-game uh, kind of active attrition and the cha uh, the Champions League has to be the big prize now. So I think he he, he kind of nailed his colours to the mass. But again, if it comes out and they win something at the end of the year, the Premier League, Champions League, it, it's it's a clever move. If it blows up in his face and they begin to go out with one tournament after the other, it's a different story. It is, uh, but I don't think he'll be judged on the FA Cup. He'll definitely be judged on no. the others. Neil, uh, you put in our notes earlier on, could this be the best Liverpool squad ever? Um, did you meet in the Premier League or ever? I would say Premier League. I mean, I can remember, you know, the reason why I started supporting Liverpool, other than the fact that it was packed with Irish, uh, they were a phenomenal team in Europe. They are a phenomenal team in the Premier League in the 80s. So I'd say early 70s, which I wouldn't remember, but the early 80s, I definitely do. Um, but as far as the Premier League coming about and when that old boot room kind of got broken down in the Liverpool scenario, you had your Rafa Benitez side, you had your Brendan Rodgers side, and now you have your Jurgen Klopp side. And I mean, the strength and depth, the way he has them playing, they, they put up that crazy stat on Sky Sports last week of, what was it, the last five years or something like that, Liverpool and City, the amount of points they've accumulated. It's just phenomenal. So the style they play, the manager they have, the squad they have, and now finally been able to get that last piece of the puzzle i think klopp is that he has options in the back line options in the middle and options up front which if you even go back three years ago when liverpool won the champions league you could not afford to rest Mane, firmino and, and uh uh sorry salah. Uh, salah so you couldn't rest any of them and now all of a sudden you have this little look like they left mo salah on the field the other day for 45 minutes and he was doing nothing where they quite easily could have swapped him out and i don't think anyone would have blinked an eyelid Whereas two, three years ago, you take Mo Salah off and you're almost admitting defeat. You couldn't do it. So it's definitely changed, in my opinion. And it's it's um, it's, a, it's a seriously strong squad. Yep. Dave, Liverpool are going to face Chelsea in the final. Chelsea had a 2-0 victory against Crystal Palace. Much expected by most people, I suppose. I mean, Chelsea are the stronger outfit, would have better players. But on the day, anything can happen. But in all fairness, nothing really did happen on the day. 
Yeah, like it, uh, up until the first goal, like Palace were there, thereabouts, and they huffed and puffed, and the fight was still there. But once the you felt once the first goal went in, it was it, that the bubble was burst. Like they were giving it everything they had, but it, the, you could see Chelsea had that bit more, and then the second goal was almost inevitable. Um, so yeah, unfortunate for them. But you know they've. You know, Vieira's done a good job this year and, and there's no denying it. And obviously, it's a, considering the, the situation they were in after Hodgson left and who was going to be there before the, the season even started, they're an exciting team. Um, But I just, there, there's a bit of a dynamic there, I think, that they need to have a look at up front with the whole Zaha thing. It's, is he I'm getting to that point? I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because it's just going around I'm just around wondering, is he becoming there. a distraction now? Because yeah. there was times yesterday where I was like, you know, it's not about you, mate. You know, there was one of them where he blatantly jumped into a player and he's screaming for the free kick. And it's like, you could have won that ball and with the skill you have, could have bet that player and really impacted that part of the game. Instead, you jumped into him, screamed for the free kick, didn't get it. And I'm like, it's not the Zaha show, you know? And I immediately went back to one of the England under 21 games and he better player twice and then still didn't put it in. And whoever it was, was the, the, the professional player co-commentator hmm. he's like geez this guy could be one of the best players in the world if he had an end product and i've always remembered that quote throughout his whole career because he shows so much talent but then there's that little you know that level of consistency and that level of professionalism if you had that mate it's definitely what might have been with him yeah he's definitely you have a word prose thing i definitely have a Zaha <laughs> thing. when i look at him he looks like he would be a perfect fit for manchester united because that's exactly how those manchester united players are playing oh, yeah. at the moment you know i'll i'll show uh, not a lot of end products and yeah. if he plays one good game in, in 10 they'd be they'd be shouting him up as if he's a, an amazing player i'm amazed I'll be amazed that he he'll stick around for another year or so at, at Crystal Palace. They need to to, to change that there and, yeah. and and add a different dynamic to that team. Neil Chelsea, when you look at them, Havertz up front, Kovacic is in centre midfield beside uh, Jorginho. The question I'm going to ask you is: Kante, Kante can't get a sniff in this side, and if you're Kante, do you look at this and go, "I'm happy to be part of this side"? Or do you say, well, I'm not getting any younger. I'm going to have to go and look to get game time elsewhere. Yeah, now, now I think, you know, if you went back over the last couple of years, Chelsea just couldn't do without Kante. He was a pivotal uh, player. You know, you, you'd put him in there in kind of the first name of the team sheet. But I think he was also the dominant kind of CDM. Um, I think since uh, they've changed manager now, he's come in with a different ethos. He wants more of a playmaking uh, deep line midfielder or two in this case. Um, Jorginho was in and out of the side. I think he's he's trying to initially when uh, he came in, he tried to move Kante to one or two different positions, even as a more forward role on him. But it doesn't really suit. So I think he's been out outplayed by better players in the CDM, and he doesn't quite fit in and do the Mason Mount job, who who does the in behind the striker. Um, and he isn't going to be budged out of there. And even if he was budged out of there, you could still put in Havertz in there if you wanted as well. So I think looking at the team, the way they want to play, the way Tuchel sets them up, he definitely wants more of a, a, a ball, a playmaking, holding player. And I think that counts Kante out long term. And I think it's it's become more obvious now um, in big games like that, but in the Champions League as well, when you start seeing Kante not playing the role he was, 
I think the writing's on the wall that the manager's gone cold on him. So do you, do you think that it's more of a preference of player for the position rather than yeah. the level of ability of that player? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I, I still, there's been games even this season. I remember, uh, you know, Chelsea have, have have come up some big games where Kante has played and he, you've been lauding over him again saying, you know, he's back. He hasn't gone anywhere. It's just he wasn't in consistently the first name on the team sheet and you got to see him, you know, 20 out of 20 games. All of a sudden now you're getting to see him 12 out of 20, 8 out of 20. So that diminishes, I guess, his stature, you know. And listen, it happens to all players when they're a stalwart in the side. Does the manager want to change tune or does the manager want to stick with him? And maybe for him, you know, it, it is time to move and a, a new fresh challenge for him. But he'd have plenty of admirers because he's not finished yet. It just depends on a manager that wants to play him. And I think his best role was that kind of CDM role and um, where he's been squeezed out at the moment. Dave, where could you see him going? I'd take him. I'd, uh, he could go anywhere. Well, providing that's what they want. He's that 31 years of age, so there's definitely time. Ah, he's plenty in the tank and what he does best. Now, don't get me wrong. Golo Kante can play football. There's no two ways about it. Can he play as good as one or two of the others? Maybe. I don't know. But what he does best, no one can touch him in, in, in relation to breaking down the play in midfield and, and, and kind of getting that ball back and then giving it to the guys who can do the bit of magic. I take him in a harpy. He can go anywhere providing that that's the type of player that they want. But I, I do agree with Neil that it is. There's a certain... He doesn't want that ultimate hold in midfielder. He wants somebody who can be a bit in between who can do it, but then I, I want them to start dominating the ball and be a bit of a, a guy who can kind of make it happen on the ball as well, which Kante is okay, is okay in it, but there's others who are better. But as regards hold, like defensive midfielder, hold midfielder, I still think he's up there, arguably is the best. So to be and honest, when you look he, at him with France, if you look at him with France, Dave, that maybe that's why Pogba works, you know, for France, because he, he can do whatever he wants. Up. Give the ball to Pogba in the positions he wants, and uh, it's a, yeah. it works, uh, clicks Absolutely. in that situation. So, so you um, you put him right in any other team in the Premier League other than Chelsea, Liverpool, and imagine him uh, at United at the moment. He would imagine United, imagine an Arsenal, imagine no sports, Arsenal sports. Them guys are all missing that. Hoiberg and all would be shitting himself because Hoiberg's a good player, but Kante's another level. He's another level. Yeah, absolutely. You know, OK, let's talk about those teams because sp- <laughs> Spurs went and Spurs did. Arsenal went and uh, definitely Arsenal did. Manchester United, nearly Manchester United did it, but got away with a Ronaldo hat-trick. And West Ham, who have their own distractions, um, are just slowly slipping away from the top four position. You just, Dave, you, you just can't call this, can you? There's there's no. too many of these teams who are slipping up too often. It, it really is. You wouldn't put your mortgage on any of these now. No, not a danger. Like uh, the only one who I give a little bit respite to is West Ham because I think it is very much we're, we're going all in for this now. This is Europa League. One for the prestige of winning the trophy and then obviously it's a way of getting into the to the Champions League, but there, if, if it definitely feels like it's almost all in for that, and I've I've, I've respect for that because usually a lot of English teams don't give a crap if it's not champ, if it's not Champions League, it's nothing, and and I think that's disrespectful because not a lot of other European teams and um, or European countries have that have the same attitude. Like it's European football is European football, so I cut them a s- small bit of slack, even though ironically they're only five points off. But in fairness, they played a game more. Yeah, Spurs at home the other day. Now, in fairness, Brighton did a good job. I will rob what the lads were doing on Match of the Day about blocking the, the passing channels. They actually kind of 
clipped Harry Kane's wings because if anything, what he's been known for over the last few months is his playmaking ability. And they just stopped the ball from getting into him. And all of a sudden, Spurs hadn't got that option where he'd take it in and then feed off Son and whoever else is running off him. And it was very clever. And and obviously, with Chris Hewton being there, he he added a bit more of the football and tactical brain to the analysis. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I noticed it. Um, so they did a clever job on it. It wasn't just the fact that Spurs imploded. Brighton did a clever job of trying to to take away their, their, their biggest assets. Arsenal, though, probably a bit more potentially blown up in, in, in compared to, say, Spurs. But, uh, and then as for United, 2 0 up, everything's looking good. And then, of course, Norwich come back. And this is Norwich we're talking about here. And you're thinking, yeah, so right now, only a, a, somebody who mad for betting would be betting on people now. It's one of them stay out of that race because it's crazy. I don't know where it's going to go. Arsenal win their game in hand. It's 57 57. United on 54. God only knows at this stage. Yeah, well, Manchester United have Liverpool tomorrow night. You can nearly give the three points to Liverpool and Manchester United. Uh, now, if they get something out of it, great. You wouldn't put it, uh, you know, Man United are capable of doing mad stuff, but uh, I can, can't see no one else but Liverpool winning that game. Chelsea have Arsenal. So Arsenal have a tough game. And then at the weekend, Arsenal are playing Manchester United. So there will be a lot of to and fro in those games. You probably expect Chelsea win. You probably expect a Liverpool win. But And then it comes down to that game at the weekend. Spurs have Brentford at the weekend as well, who are flying. Neil, there's really nothing guaranteed here at all. No, do you know what it is? I was looking at the big kick off the, the predictions over the weekend and you were reading them going, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, give three points there. And then you look at the results and you're going, every week, every <laughs> week, one of them finds a way. But you look at Arsenal at the moment, Ryan, they've fallen off a cliff and it's the wrong time of the season now to be losing that form. Like, is it four out of the last five? And it's not even they picked up a point. They lost them games. So Arsenal have fallen off a cliff. Spores were looking absolutely roasting hot a week ago. And within a week, here we are sitting here. People were calling Arsenal Sporzy last week. And now this week, Sporzy just reclaimed the Sporzy title again. So what do you do? But uh, you'd be a brave man to bet, as Dave said. You'd be a brave man to bet big money on any of them results coming in. You just seriously do not know. So I I, I would have backed Spores maybe two weeks ago, definitely a week ago. And now you're looking at it again going, will they just drop the next two to three games? So it's, it's a tough one to call. But I, I'd still think... Spurs are in a better place. I think Arsenal are after blowing it now. I, I can't see them recovering. Um, and Chelsea, because it's a London derby, may as well do it. They could do a serious number on Arsenal next week because Chelsea are practically playing shot to nothing at the moment. Yeah. It was a big blow for Arsenal at the weekend because, you know, Forster pulled off a couple of crack and saves. Yeah, it wasn't uh, that they were playing It wasn't bad, that they were crap. Yeah, exactly. And that was that's where you kind of go, Jesus like the doubt might creep in because we played well today and he had a worldie and then whatever like that's when you kind of go Fuck it, maybe it's not our year this year and as I said that little bit of doubt and that can make a massive difference so in fairness to Arsenal I'll, I'll, I'll give him a bit of credit and obviously tip me hat to Forster more so um, than Arsenal blew it so to speak yeah and it's, so that makes Manchester United and Arsenal a real six pointer at the weekend oh, and yeah. uh, it could end someone's chances this year okay the the Champions League and the Europa League was on and sorry the Conference League I can't really forget about the Conference <laughs> League because there was so much good football over the last uh, Thursday night was mental Thursday was mental it was brilliant absolutely yeah. brilliant uh, we'll, go, we'll start off with the Champions League uh, Chelsea almost made Neil a comeback against Madrid and to be looking back at certain things in the games and really kicking themselves 
Yeah, do you know what, Roy? What a cracking game. Like, I mean, last week I would have, before the, if the first leg, I would have fancied Chelsea to do Madrid over two legs. They really underperformed in the first leg and you were writing them off. But my God, what a, whatever it was, 60 minutes where they found themselves treating it up. They were absolutely on it. They were on fire and they will kick themselves because... If they ever wanted to look at something, watch what Liverpool did at 3-1 yesterday. They killed that game. They killed it. If they, you know, they destroyed all attack and momentum. They slowed the game down. And Chelsea have some very, very good senior pros in their side. You know, from the back to the front, that should have been able to do the same thing. You're you're playing away, you're trying to control the crowd. They'd be looking back and asking themselves how that one got away. It would have been an unbelievable comeback. It really would have to go away to Madrid in their own backyard and overhaul that kind of deficit. But uh, So on one hand, yeah, Chelsea were magnificent in the way they played and the goals they took. They should have probably scored more. The handball for Alonso's volley, I I still don't know. I, I'd be calling that a goal. That was very unlucky. But a little moment of magic you'll all remember from the game. Modric outside of the right boot ball. Absolutely fantastic. So that's the difference at that level sometimes, um, where you just lose out for little moments like that. And, and just as a side note, for anyone that doesn't like Gareth Bale or gets puzzled by the Gareth Bale stories, if you've seen the pictures in the dressing room after the game, that one on Sevilla the weekend, where he's standing there with a moany arse facing him and the, the players are all losing their minds all around them. It's an amazing sideshow uh, away from football when you look at Madrid, isn't it? It's hard to feel yeah. sorry for him, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. Well, you know, just shows I do. Well, in, in terms of Real Madrid and the atmosphere, like he's not helping yeah. either, Roy. No. So it's kind of like... Is is I it think, a one way street and everything's against him? I, I, I think it's a bit like uh, you know, tango you, in this. You, you see, you see people breaking up, and at the end of it, you're kind of looking at them and you're going, "Jesus, how did it get to this?" But at some stage at the start, and with Real Madrid, the fans remember they talk about the Cristiano Ronaldo effect, and then they started booing Bale, and Bale's after Ooh. doing amazing things for him, and it looked like he did give up at one stage, and that's kind of where he is now. You know, yeah. and now he's he's the real villain. He, as you said, he's not making himself look well at all. And in actual fact, in fact, he isn't looking well at all. He's actually he's 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 it's very poor from him now at this mm. stage. He's made a mockery of his position in that. In well, you that you look at Roy the pros out there. Like look at Casemiro, Modric, and Cruz. You know, and Benzema. I mean, they're guys that have given everything and and knowingly give everything. You could never never fault them the way they play, the way they conduct themselves in the field. And as you say, Bale literally just allowed himself. He to should be easily on that side. Didn't yeah. do anything about it. You know, it, it's sad kind of ended to a guy that yeah. started off so brightly at a massive club. Yeah, yeah, very interesting to see where he goes. I, I have no idea. I, seeing the headline today. Very saying, risky move. Whoever they, they, they might, he might want to stay in Spain. Um, I'm thinking, who, who's going to take a chance on him in Spain? But it's then again, who's, go, who's going to take a chance on him anyhow? You'll end up yeah, in Portugal or somewhere, it. somewhere down the south or something. Is anywhere near the Algarve or something? Yeah, I don't know. Cove Ramblers or something. I mean, you don't know where he's going to end up. Um, yeah, so Rex when you look at that game, I mean, it was Werner scored in the 75th minute, Neil. So that was yeah. 15 minutes to go. Mod or Benzema, no, sorry. Uh, Rodrigo. Rodrigo scored in the 80th minute. So, yeah, they only had to see out the 15 minutes and they couldn't see out five. So they really didn't give themselves that opportunity. Uh, but it was, again, the first the first leg really killed them off. And listen, you get what you deserve, you know, and, and, and they didn't go through. But when you look at Manchester City, Dave, what a game. I mean, this is... Uh, there's part of me, I love to see the Atletico Madrid team yeah. ruffle feathers. Um, I, I, love, I love to see Atletico Madrid ruffle the big team's feathers 
Yeah. Uh, but sometimes I do think that they take it a little bit too far. I'm interested to hear what you think about it. Dave, you shoot first. Yeah, like, I, I suppose one way you love it because, especially if you're not involved, if it was Liverpool, I'd be spitting blood and the whole lot and going bananas at everything they do. But, you know, there's little or no needle in football anymore, you know. That's why we still probably have a little soft spot for watching the old firm and a few of these other games and because, like, like even Liverpool and City, like Carragher and Kane only talked about it today. It's all nicey, nicey. There's no needle like United and Arsenal. So it's a bit of a, a throwback when Atletico Madrid do it. Now, there's times where you're like, it, where I draw the line is, is that all you have? Now, a couple of years ago, it wasn't because you had uh, Griezmann in his pomp. You had, now obviously Diego Costa was a, was a main catalyst. But when, when Atletico Madrid were really in their pomp three or four year, years ago, they had a bit more to it than just what the, what it is now. Well, now it feels like slightly aging. Uh, Suarez, Griezmann's not really is, is in and out of the team. It's almost like this is all they have now, and it's a bit of a sad tribute act to the great Atletico Madrid side, who were a bloody good side, as well as being masters of the the the, the, the grey area of football. Um, and that's why now it just doesn't really. Yeah, it's more of a sad, like I said, a sad tribute act when I watch it. But it's great when somebody does it back to them and watch them flip out because Foden knew what he was doing, rolling back onto the pitch. And of course, they just saw red. It's like, oh no, only we do this. And of course, it all kicks off. And yeah, it got a bit silly. And even still, it was like pullings of hairs and handbags and stuff. But at this stage, yeah, it's more disappointing or sad looking because, as I said, from from what I've seen this season, it's all it's kind of all they have because even Liverpool didn't look that bothered by them in the group stage and even when they tried to kind of get a little bit nasty or a little bit clever it just it just wasn't there anymore and like I said it's all they have in the locker at the moment I remember seeing this meme I don't know if it was a YouTube clip or a meme and there was two dogs absolutely as vicious as can be and they're barking either side of this gate and as the gate the owner opened up the gate and the two of them are barking and they're going along the gate and as the gate fully opens up the two of them just walk away from each other (laughs) and it kind of reminded me of the Atletico and Manchester City thing where they were holding each other back in the tunnel you'd love to just let them go and see what actually happened I'm fairly sure nothing would happen Neil Look at Atletico Madrid, look at their style of play. When they, in the second half, they dominated the second half. Why wouldn't Simone let them play a bit more like that? I'm sure they do against the smaller teams in Spain, but yeah. surely, is, is there a lack of confidence in, in his team, do you believe? Again, it reminds me of the whole Trapatoni thing with Ireland and, and, and so on. Uh, lack of trust in his, in his team that they can go toe-to-toe with these teams? Yeah, and I think, look, it's been built up now over multiple years. It's not just this season. But I think, as Dave said, there's been times in the past where, man, they cut teams open, where they were sitting deep and they might have had their 10 defenders in, you know, in nice and deep. But when they went at a team, they were capable of cutting them open. I think now there's a massive fear. Even listen to Simeone's press conference, it's all about Pep with the money and Pep having the, the blank paycheck. And, you know, he could buy any player. So there's a there's an element of kind of, you know, they're the best, they have the best of resources, the best of everything, and we have nothing. So we're just going to sit here and be dogged. But unfortunately, risk and reward go hand in hand in football. And he probably didn't unleash them early enough because they might have got a bit more joy out of it. Like they had opportunities to get forward, but they probably didn't display the numbers that they've, you know, that they needed to get something out of it. So I don't know, maybe Simeone goes back to the drawing board. Maybe he needs to go back to the transfer market and rethink because they're still a big player-ish, 
but he needs to bring them on a level. He needs to bring them back, as Dave is saying, to the level where they had a cost of there. They had something about them that teams feared them rather than just didn't like playing them because they were unfanciable. You know what I mean? So they're, they're going to turn themselves into a Wimbledon if they keep going the way they are with that attitude and the fighting and that. They're an awkward side to play rather than a very dogged kind of, you know, team that's going to get something out of a game. But they're, they won't be outwitted. Do you know that way? So I think they're... Simeone becomes the pantomime villain and I mean geez, BT it's where they had machetes and shotguns on the field the way they were going oh. on but they just need to you know they need to get back to doing what they were very very effective of doing what won them La Liga titles and not getting caught in this kind of game of cat and mouse where they're literally afraid to come out of their shadow because there's more I think there's more to that team um, against the good and bad teams than we're seeing at the moment but it's too late now. I'd only got miss them being in the competition, but you do get a bit of a kick watching the way they go on, all right? When you look at Simone, Neil, it, not, is he good enough for the Premier League isn't really the question. But the question is, is he the type of manager that would get a job within the top teams in England? So when Man United were looking for the last manager turnover, it was mentioned a couple of times that Simeone should go out and get Simeone. He punches above his weight in Spain. He punches above his weight in Europe. He's a street fighter. You know, all these accolades were flying around about him. Uh, If you look at Antonio Conte, I think Man United found that he was a risk in the way his mannerisms and the way he controls a club. And he's a very, very stubborn guy. Simeone was even more of a risk, I would imagine, in the eyes of owners than Conte is. And I mean much, much more of a risk. He's a volatile character and you get what you get with him. So when things are going well and all the crowd are weighing in, like you see him the other night, they were losing the game and they had the crowd on their feet, even though they'd completely self-destructed. So they all buy into that project. The problem is when you go to the Premier League and you look at Guardiola playing beautiful football and destroying everybody, Klopp's playing his pressing football and he's getting results where do you go as Simeone in his style? Can you win a Premier League title playing the way that Simeone does? And that would be a hard sell to fans. It almost feels Mourinho-esque with Spurs. Well, Leicester they, played that way to win a, a, a league title. So they, they could, but would it be acceptable within clubs? Would Liverpool accept that now with the football that they're playing? They might have accepted no. it like 10 years ago, but would they accept it now? No, probably not. Arsenal are, have changed their style of football. Would they be willing to, to change the style of football to win things? Would Spurs be willing to change their style? Although their style is now something similar to what Simone would, would play yeah, anyhow. I, I think Manchester Mourinho, United probably wouldn't. Who would take him? Yeah, I think Mourinho proved that concept at Spurs because he went there and he had them all buying into it by Christmas. Remember this? Harry Kane drops deep. We launch a ball to him and we all get forward and we all get back. And it was horrible, horrible, dour stuff to watch. When Spurs thought they were in with a show of finishing higher, they all bought into it. But as soon as the kind of project unraveled and they realised this is the sum of our parts, this is the way the manager has his playing, I think they turned on Mourinho and his style. And all of a sudden, Mourinho is a dinosaur again, you know? So I think Mourinho's already proved that Simeone's style would be very negative. Um, And I just don't see a top four team taking the risk on him and wanting to go down his route of style of play. Yeah, David Myers instead, or Simeone instead of David Myers doesn't seem a likely option so Dave how far does he go down before he gets a job in the Premier League <laughs> yeah exactly but to be honest I'd love to see him in it because then the English media would really be struggling because 
in England they don't play that type of football, even though everyone does at various moments. But we're very honest here in in in, in the British and Irish Isles here. We don't play that type of football, even though everyone and the mother does it nowadays. So for the club to have to admit that that's the way they have to play, I just love to see them trying to change it's not necessarily dark arts anymore it's clever you know because it's an english team and it'll be a bit more poetic than it's just tuggery and that crap that the your man jake humphries was going on about the other day well one of them won whatever that stupid comment he was well one of them is a winner or whatever jesus christ but uh even though foden started it really when it all kicked off but uh god forbid that ever got mentioned so i just love to see him in regardless just to see them trying to change his style uh to to a more pleasing and the eye like i'd love to hear the metaphors what they're going to try and come up with because uh they'll definitely need their artistic license to, to to come up with different words than what they call it now because uh if if after wednesday it's god awful football and the death of football and all this shocking superlatives i use it's just nonsense you know they've been doing it for years you'd swear they've never seen it before but because it was against a, an english team how dare they you know but yeah uh, to have them here it'd be another character let's be honest lads to have him here like in, in in the premier league it'd be great to have a character like him and then you have the whole historical you know the the the, 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 the whole peckham thing just it'd be just great to have him here but where he's gonna go you know arsenal spurs i don't think i'll touch him and yeah you're struggling you're going down to your west hands and stuff so unfortunately we might i think that boat will be gone because guardiola seems quite happy to stick around for a lot longer than we thought yeah so Liverpool, I don't know whether I want them there now, but maybe Liverpool in two years is probably the only chance if Liverpool are bold enough. Oh, I don't know if they. I don't think. I don't think they would. Now, to be honest, and tell you the truth, and and obviously, I've, 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 I'm not totally sure on it, but he is. I think the the best paid manager in the world at the moment. Yeah, well. he's on so mega I don't, books. He so I don't is think. Uh, I don't think people. He'd have to be probably taking cuts there because I don't think yeah. they will be paying the money out. I think. I think the there. ship has sailed. Unfortunately, I don't. I. I will be doing well to get him in, in, into top level English football at this yeah. stage. I think. Okay, Dave, um, Bayern Munich, we discussed it last week. Uh, how good are they really? And, well, Villarreal showed us. They they battered Villarreal for most of the game, but counter-attacking football, <laughs> uh, let it go, and Villarreal counter-attacking football uh, won the day out. They win 2-1 on aggregate. They, they're true to face Liverpool, Villarreal. When you look at Bayern Munich... <sighs> Is it just that this squad is aging now? Because they do have a few a few players. Like you have Lewandowski up front. He's still scoring goals for fun. Yeah. But again, does he need that change? Uh, and maybe touch on Villarreal against Liverpool. Liverpool going through against Benfica in what was nearly a testimonial game, three three three, <laughs> but um, an enjoyable one. That that, but uh, still, you kind of seeing that <coughs> go through. Villarreal, can they put a glove on Liverpool uh, after you talk about Bayern Munich? Yeah, Bayern Munich, you've got also got Muller in there, who, as great a player as well as he is, he wouldn't quite have the engine of the cut and trust of modern football as it is nowadays. Goretzka as well, he's on, he's put on too much muscle. He, he's gone mega big and he's probably l- lost whatever he had. And then obviously you've got Kimmich. All of a sudden, everyone's going bananas about him. I don't think he was a midfielder up until a, a year or two ago. He was a fullback. No, he was a fullback, yeah. Yeah, but now he's the greatest centre midfielder of all time, uh, which, yeah. like, you know, I hear that every few weeks, depending on who scores a free kick. But, um, uh, so I'm not sure about that. So if you look at the team, Musiala, obviously English media are going to write him off because he didn't declare for England. I don't know much about the guy. Um, you've got Pavard Hernandez and Pamacano. I was impressed with Upamecano before he moved to Bayern. I haven't seen too much of him this year. So, you know, you look at that team, it's not the same as it was a few years back either. And it's just a bit of a rebuild at this stage. They're still strong enough for German football. 
but maybe not quite yet to really mix it with the big guys again. And unfortunately for some of them, it'll be probably at their detriment of, which I don't want to say it, even the likes of Lewandowski's and Muller's and Goretzka's and even Kimmich for that matter, and put 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 three or four players into that side and freshen them up again and pick the bones of Dortmund and whatever else they do as they usually do and get that kind of a, a new age uh, Bayern Munich again. It, it looks like it's a bit of a change in the guard. And as regards Liverpool, Villarreal, very awkward side, um, not the prettiest. Uh, they they know their strengths, they know their role. They'll do their best to to nullify Liverpool as best as they can. Be incredibly defensive, I'd imagine, and and try and block Liverpool from getting in behind. But it, let's be honest, without without trying to be smug, it, it probably will be a step too far. Liverpool should have just too much for them, and especially the fact that it's over two games. If it was a one-off game, you'd be a bit more nervous. But the fact that it's over two games, home or away, irrelevant. I'd expect Liverpool to have more than enough because as much as Villarreal will, will do their best, similar to what they did with Bayern, this is a different opposition. And yeah, I'm not saying it's going to be a walk in the park, but hopefully we get the advantage done in the first game and, and, and move on. Absolutely. As you said, we had a great Thursday night in the Europa League. West Ham beat uh, Leon 4-1. An unbelievable game between Frankfurt and Barcelona, yeah. 4-3 winners. Did you see Frankfurt. the crowd, lads? It was yeah. like uh, Ireland in the joint stadium. It was like the Germans just took over. It's fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah. It was great. Uh, Red Bull through against Atlanta and Rangers, the game yeah. that I ended up watching because all the other games seemed to be to and fro. And I thought yeah. actually the, the Barcelona game was over you know, well before it was, but in fairness to Barcelona, they kept digging in. But the Rangers game against Braga, I thought was a really good one and the atmosphere was uh, electric and they got themselves through, even though they might have stumbled a little bit with a couple of send-ins off, they still looked a little bit vulnerable. Mm. But when you look at this, Neil, West Ham versus Frankfurt, Red Bull versus Rangers, who do you think is going to come out on that? I mean, it's great to see a couple of clubs from the uh, England and Scotland in the semi-final, but... Yeah. Uh, Red Bull and Frankfurt are two strong outfits as well. They are, yeah. Look, I mean, th- this is where West Ham want to be. And I think we, we've said it already in the show. This is where I think they're putting all their eggs in one basket now. They look very jaded uh, when they played yesterday. So I'm presuming they're going to go full guns at it. It'd be a great story to see West Ham get to the final, whatever the outcome. But it'd be a great story to see them get there. But the other thing I'll say is, and you, you find this with the Scottish teams as well, that sometimes, you know, these teams get into Europe and they kind of flatter themselves a little or they go out on a high, almost like they're punching above their weight. But when I watch Rangers this year in particular and West Ham, they're definitely there on merit. Like, they're yeah. not there making up the numbers. They're really putting in accomplished performances. So, if they do their homework right and they get out there, they're more than a match for these guys. It maybe answers the question in England where they used to say, you know, your six, seven, eight, nine, ten place team are far, far stronger than what you get <clears> likewise <throat> in Germany or Italy. So, maybe it answers the question when West Ham come up against these guys whether or not they can overhaul them. But I think if I was West Ham, I'd be you know, not quite confident. Semi-finals ending can happen, but they've put themselves in a great position and I think they have a great chance of progressing. And yeah. likewise, Rangers, like I wouldn't count any of them out. Like Frankfurt, no. they're 10th in the league. Like yeah. They won 10, drew 9 and lost 11. They're a mid-table team in, 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 in Bundesliga. Like West Ham shouldn't fear them at all. I know beating Barcelona looks impressive, but this isn't Barcelona from a few years back. Like, I suppose, let's face it, lads, we, we talked about it last week, Leipzig are probably the favourites, maybe, yes. because they've been there for the last few years and obviously been in the Champions League getting to the semi-finals. So just from experience alone, you probably have them, but West Ham should easily be the second favourites, in my opinion. 
Um, so yeah, they, it, 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 you, you could see at least one of the two making the final anyway. And to yeah. be fair, I think beating Leon was actually a great accomplishment. Yeah. Leon are no fools either. They're a good side, good players. So yeah, I think that was a big uh, big plus for them as well. Yeah, now I'm just looking for the Europa Conference League because there was a couple of good games and Leicester had a great win away against Yeah, PS- I thought they were dead and buried, yeah. PSV so it, uh, snuck through into a semi-final. That's huge for a club like Leicester. Um, you have Feyenoord who are... Uh, through against Marseille in the semi-final and Leicester have Roma who hammered Bode Glimp 4-0 uh, in there and Jose Mourinho and this is where this competition people will look at a third tier competition like this and, and snub at it but there's really good teams in here and you cannot no matter who you are if you sit down on a Thursday night and there's a semi-final of a competition whether it be the Europa League Champions League or, or obviously Champions League's not on a Thursday but if you have it on on, on telly you're, you're going to watch it and Leicester City Roma even Feyenoord Marseille they're going to be very interesting games Dave Yeah and it goes to show you just how strong bowls were considering that they only lost in the odd goal to Pauk Salonika who got to the quarters. That's just my... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah, just no. my little uh, big up the balls. But it just goes to show you how much they put it to them. They only lost by the odd goal on Agri and there they are in the quarterfinals just missing out against Marseille. That's the strength of some of the opposition that's out there. But like the cream always ri- ri- rises to the top and I know there is a bit of a drop-down scheme from the Europa League as well, hence why Leicester are there. But like take Leicester out of it. The other three have serious European pedigree from, uh, from over the years. So it just goes to show you and it'll be decent money and then you can get yourself back into the Europa League as well. So um, Leicester doesn't look like they're going to do that in the league. So they have to take this seriously. Um, but yeah, European, fo- European football is European football, right? Like once they went 1-0 down, that game got interesting because you knew Leicester had no option but to go for it. And of course, they pulled it out of the bag, and it was great to watch. And it, like Thursday night was real old school European football. So one or two teams just caution to the wind because they'd no option but to do it. And look, it's the same at the Champions League. Once it gets to the knockout phases, it's it's just great. Yeah, in fairness, the Apple lads of getting the qualification by winning it and then getting the Champions League qualification. It's Champions League qualifications for winning the Europa League. Yeah, it's a conferences massive, Europa massive. then. Yeah, so they, they, they're feeding each other, which is great. But, I mean, yeah. the prize to win the Europa League is absolutely massive. It's like a bar of gold. So, yeah. you know, it shows how much it means to these teams that they're going for a full blood. So, it's good to see. Yeah, and I like the fact that there's a third competition because the, the Europa League was getting too hectic and too congested. Yeah. So, uh, it's good that there's a third one there. And uh, there is there is uh, that semi-final. That, that I think the, the teams that come out of this into the final, I think they'll make a good spectacle of, of a final. Neil, I'm going to finish off with Derby County. Relegated today, Wayne Rooney... Uh, did everything that he could and his team did everything that they could against the, the points deductions. They had 21 points deducted. In actual fact, if they if they, if they they weren't deducted them points, they'd be up at 52 points, which at the moment would see them up in 17th position, which will be miles off the relegation zone and safe. I won't really ask where it's going to leave Derby because Derby are going to be in a position where they're going to have to get their house in order financially and, and that's a that's a big thing. Um, it doesn't matter what squad they have. If they don't get their finances done, that could be the end of them. But, Neil, for Wayne Rooney, it, it showed something in him that, you know, he got something out of these players that, that, you know, there wasn't much there that he had. He didn't have, he had to sell players even in the transfer window. Can you see him sticking with Derby? Can you see him now looking for other options and who would be interested? 
Um, I think, first of all, I think he handled himself really, really well. He spoke well. There was a nice moment where he was um, they, he was queried about the Everton position and he literally flat out refused to answer the question. I'm not interested. I have a job to do here. And his kind of warden was, look, it would be unfair to leave Derby in the position that we're in. You know, you'd be leaving a sinking ship and it'd be really bad form. So I think he handled that very, very well. I think he's clever enough to know that if he keeps kind of going about it the way he does at the moment, even though, look, they got relegated, but under crazy circumstances, his time will come where someone will come knocking for him and give him a chance. Now, it feels a little Lampardish, Gerrardish, you know, that way he's gone about it the right way. He started down in the, well, not the lower, lower levels, but he started down a level um, and he's cut his teeth. And let's be honest, what he's faced as far as point deduction straight out the bat, imagine trying to motivate uh, that group of people from the outset um, selling all his players I think there was a time where they didn't think they were going to be able to pay them or they could only offer them month by month contracts there was all sorts of crazy stuff going on so for him to come out the other end of that and nearly pull off the impossible I think speaks volumes for him and they were a good side to watch um, I would think that now would be the time to part ways It's you know he's done his dues as such, so, so to speak but maybe that also depends on who else wants him who else would take a look at him but uh, I think he conducted himself kind of personality-wise when he was on the Monday Night Football. His opinions, he's not afraid to give a strong opinion on youth, uh, on, on giving youth a chance. He was asked at Man United, and I thought he'd get some good views around it's time to kind of cut the umbilical cord here and give the youth a chance and move forward. So I think he spoke very well in, uh, in the way he did it. So I think the future would be bright for him if he chooses his next job correctly. Um, it could be good for him. But I think you, you can learn from the Lampard-Gerrard scenario where don't jump too quick and kind of choose your club more wisely, you know. And I think he did that by not going to Everton. And if he sticks to that, I think he's going to the show. Dave, when you look at the, the teams that he could go to, the championship is most likely, again, someone to take a chance on him. Uh, and it's, it's up to him. But um, Burnley had a ridiculous second of Sean Deitch. I think everyone can agree oh. that one. I do think that there was sort of hassle between Deitch and the board originally before these Americans came in about not spending. And okay. since since they have taken over, they haven't spent too much either. And in actual fact, let one of their, their top players go to a, a relegation, uh, relegation rival in Newcastle United. So maybe there was words being said behind whatever it is. We, we won't really know yet, but I'm sure that'll come out. Would something like Burnley be a good job for Wayne Rooney to have a go at? Don't know. Because to be honest, you know, like a couple of the Premier League teams, if they want to refresh um, and, and try something new, because I don't know, I had a quick look at the Premier League because I had a feeling that's what the question was coming. Because with Burnley, I, I don't know. I, like, I think there's going to be a lot of players going to want to jump ship from there now. I think a lot of people would have been very loyal to Deutsch. And um, even the likes of Veghorst who has come in and all that, like that, that were bought in Carney, they'll all be gone once they go down. Like, if you're going to sack Sean Dyche, you should Would they been. be gone, though, if Wayne Rooney came in? Because that's the name. Maybe not. Maybe not, 100%. But are they going to back him, these owners? If they're that miserable with Dyche, it'd be a bit uh, hypocritical if they are with him. I, As I said, I just quickly scan, and no one's jumping out that anyone's going to get sacked, but it might be a case of a club might want to freshen things up and for some reason I see just Southampton jumped out of the page I think Hassan Hoot was a safe pair of hands and he just tips things along 
but he just tips things along. I just don't know whether he's going to do much more there. I just Sorry, that... Dave. It just comes into my head every time someone says, I actually think Hasselhutl is doing a really good job. Yeah. And who was I looking at there? Burnley, yeah. We were talking about it the other day. Um, I was talking to someone else. I always think of Charlton, where they yeah. used to, they were up in around fifth or sixth, and the fans used to be giving out crap yeah. about, well, we need to be pushing on. And, and just, you know, sometimes you need to know your level. Charlton are oh, now yeah. in, in the first division. So, you know, I, 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 and when, and you're right. I, I, I'm, try, I try, I'm trying to look, and I know you're trying to, to just give us someone that you yeah, may. But that's it's very what... hard to look at any of those there and think that, I mean, obviously Newcastle have a manager in place, Vieira is in a palace, Aston Villa just got Steven Gerrard, Jesse March has just come in with Leeds, Everton have just taken on Frank Lampard, Uh, Brighton, I don't think they're going to let their manager go. So, Brentford, unbelievable job being done there. Leicester, well, Leicester, I, I would have a question mark over. So, yeah, but there, you, could, but there, you could speculate Leicester as well. I'm not sure there's room for them in, in the Premier League, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, there isn't. You're probably right, and there probably isn't much room if you're going to do it. But like to be, to be honest, considering where they are, they're going down for the last week or two. Everyone knew they were going down. And to still pull it out with a bag against Fulham says a yeah. lot about the team and also says a lot about the manager that he can get it out of them. So he's doing a great job. It's just, even in the Championship, it's ruthless. Like, get... Like, Getting Burnley, I would be weary of a team coming down. Um, at Burnley from a few years ago, keeping Dice was a sensible thing to do and the sensible owners. Yeah. And let's have what we hold. We're good enough for the championship and we'll get back up. I'm not sure it'll be quite the same this time with, with this Burnley side. So yeah. even though more than likely, as you said, right, but once we looked at it, broke it down, it probably would be championship. Um, so yeah, he has to choose wisely because unfortunately. You're the likes of your Bournemouth and Fulham's are obviously the two best sides this year. They're probably going to go up. So it's about who's going to be on the cusp. But then again, who's going to want to let go of what they have already? So uh, he's get he's going to move. I don't think he'll stick around with Derby at this stage. And I don't think he has to. I think he's done more than enough. But um, yeah, I'd be weary of Bournemouth if I was him now. That's the truth. You, with Bournemouth, though, lads, you need to change the culture of that club. They've been playing the same way under the same manager for a long time. So yeah. whether or not they lose players or not, like Rooney going in there would have to add a lot of bodies to play the way that he wants or whatever manager they bring in. Like it, it's, you have to be very adaptable and you have to change his style. I don't see Rooney playing, you know, Sean Dyche style football. Yeah. I imagine he wants to play. If they were patient and willing to give him at least a second season, because obviously mm-hmm. if they were willing to back him and give him plenty of money, it'll probably take a second season to get a few guys out of their old habits that they decide to keep. And then obviously he's going to bring in players. Plus he'll probably bring in one or two players from the big clubs on loan, a bit like what Lampard did. And they'll only get the year out of them anyway. So yeah. as long as if he does go to somebody like that, that they're patient with him and don't just oh, he, he, he just write him off like, like they do any other manager, for God's sake. Yeah. Because he definitely seems to have something about him, and obviously, as as Neil said, he comes across very, very well. And you heard a few stories, you've seen a few of the videos of him inside the inside the dressing room. He's not necessarily he's very cool and calm and collected, but what he says has a bit of weight in it. And you've seen him on the Monday night as well. He definitely has matured in the sense that you know when he talks, you listen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Neil and Dave, as always, thanks very much. Uh, don't forget to keep an eye out for us on Apple. Spotify, whatever else you're you're listening to your podcasts on. And of course, you will see us on the big kickoff football show on YouTube if you want to look at the podcast there as well. Thanks very much for your time and we'll talk to you next week.